you want to work over the vectors that are stiff so it doesn't pull properly in the correct direction. The joint will work better and so it will heal because the body is able to heal a tendon. The body is able to heal like a small tear if the joint works in a proper way. If it doesn't work in a proper way, that the healing, the tear, it will not heal, never. So we want to restore biomechanics. That is the meaning. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kybert, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. Dr. Stecco, I'm so excited to sit down with you and share your work and your studies. I was reading your research earlier today and just, it was like the list of research was <laughs> multiple pages long. I'm so excited to sit down and talk to you about fascia in particular. So welcome to Muscle Medicine Podcast. Well, thanks for the invitation. Always a pleasure to, to you know, give my contribution for fascia and research. Yeah. So a lot of people talk about fascia and a lot of different disciplines everyone from like a yoga massage therapist coming from a medical background, it is, and also does research is such a different depth of knowledge, but we'll start basic. So for people who are listening, and we have a lot of listeners who might be in chronic pain or have had an injury or are practitioners, what is fascia? So fascia is basically connected tissue. It's connected tissue that is disposed as a layer, like a multiple layer. So we can imagine the fascia like a long socks that cover the leg, as like three socks that cover the leg, and a long gloves that get to the shoulder. Okay. In the trunk is slightly different because it like it will be like a membrane that cover the muscle. So like we have to imagine the body like this. What is the purpose of the fascia. Fascia obviously is a, a, like a flat tendon that is able to transmit the force from the core, from the trunk to the extremity. So it's a really nice tool that allows us to get power in the extremity and to coordinate synergic muscle. So force transmission. Absolutely. Yeah. But on top of that, uh, we know since 10 years that fascia is well innervated. So that changed completely the rule of fascia for pain. Because fascia can be clearly a pain generator because they have more innervation than tendon ligament. More so, innervation. Yeah. And so you can imagine that fascia can become an element that uh, allows you to perceive the body, perceive the movement, if everything goes smoothly and nicely. But if the fascia becomes rigid, there's a lack of gliding, obviously the perception will be like a sort of bombardment. So you start to have like a nociception pain from there, like a pain from that area. So a lot of people describe fascia as like saran wrap, like plastic wrap. Is that accurate? Because I know it's layered and I mean, that's a really common, you know, in the yeah, well, <laughs> explanation. We can start from there. We can start like a, like a something that wrap up the muscle. Okay. We can see a little bit more in microscopic or microscopic point of view. Okay. So it's true. We can, the fascia system that include like endomysium, perimysium, so like a small tiny sheet that cover like each single muscle fiber, each single bundle of muscle fiber. Yes, we can we can understand that uh, we can represent like a, a sheet that cover the muscle. But if we talk about like a major fascia element, like a fascia lata, toracolumbar fascia, is more like a sort of multiple layer that uh, surround all the compartment, all the leg. Okay? Yeah. 
So what's the relationship between fascia and pain? Because you had mentioned nociceptors and innervation. So obviously, since 10 years, when uh, our publication first, but then all other group of researchers find out the, the same uh, and even more accurate than us. So since we know the fascia is so well innervated, we understand that fascia can be a clear pain generator. So the fascia have a, like a, we call like a mechanoreceptor. So when you squeeze, you activate it. You have an afferent. So if you move nice and smoothly, you perceive the movement because you stretch the fascia, the muscle is in connection with the fascia. So we know that 30% of muscle fiber merge to the fascia. So whenever you activate the muscle, you pull the fascia and vice versa. So during every kind of movement that we perform, we generate a tension in the fascia, we activate a specific group of mechanoreceptor, so we have a perception of the body. If the fascia is stiff, you over-squeeze the receptor, so you have a perception of pain, okay? We call nociception because basically there's nothing wrong. The nerve is working well. It's just that you have a too much afference because the air is stiff, it doesn't glide, it's stuck. So is that why sometimes people will get imaging, like x-ray, MRI, and everything is normal, right? But they're still in this tremendous amount of pain. Correct. So unfortunately, the, the typical uh, imaging, like an ultrasound, MRI, CT scan, they're not able to catch the alteration of the fascia. But we have uh, right now, for instance, in NYU, a new type of, of uh, sequence in MRI that is able to quantify the lubricant that there is between layer of fascia, between fascia and muscle. So through that, uh, or through elastosonography that evaluates the stiffness, you can understand if fascia is in disorder, so there's a dysfunction. So basically, if there's a lack of gliding. So we prove we are working in that direction to understand that the, the lubricant is the key element to generate pathology. So if the, the layers are gliding properly, the muscle is able to glide below the fascia, you know, everything goes smoothly, nicely, you have the full range of motion. When the, there's a, a change in the viscosity of the lubricant, they become more sticky, more glue, this decrease the gliding, so you start to perceive stiffness, decrease range of motion, and pain, when still the MRI is negative, because the MRI is not able, normal MRI is not able to catch this alteration. So when it becomes more sticky, and then you feel more stiffness, is that the hyaluronic acid? Is that... Is uh, a change of the hyaluronic acid, or better, hyaluronin, because uh, the better description is hyaluronin. So the hyaluronin becomes aggregate, so is attach each other, it become uh, like uh, hydrophobic. So instead to link the water, it should become a nice oily substance that is a lubricant. It, it stick together and become a big molecular that doesn't link the water anymore. So in, you have like in this tiny spread surface, big protein alone without have any water binded. And this generated like a, a dramatic increase of the viscosity. Is it mainly just like overuse injuries or is there other things that can contribute to that? Like, a, I don't know, like a dehydration or something like that. There is a multiple factor. So overuse, we saw that can stimulate specific cells that produce hyaluronic acid. So we find out the fascia sites that are the cells that produce hyaluronin all over in the fascia. So as much you move, as much you produce. But it can be at the end of the activity, sport activity, you have a retention of hyaluronin. And so this one starts to aggregate 
And the day after, you start to have stiffness, uh, but you know, it builds up over months, over year. But you know, decrease of uh, the hydration, it can generate increase of viscosity. Decrease of the pH, like accumulation of lactic acid, dramatically increase the viscosity. Okay, the immobilization increase the viscosity. So because the hyaluronic have a thixotropic effect, like a ketchup. So in the morning, the first step, you feel rigid, you know, and then as you go, you feel better, less pain. That is not arthritis. That is a myofascial problem, okay? You sit a long time and then you stand up, you feel rigid. That is not arthritis. It's myofascial because as, you, as much you move, as less stiff you feel, that is due to that. So let's take a common, maybe potential case, like... Um runner with diagnosed IT band syndrome, right? Do you think that the diagnosis is maybe potentially kind of inaccurate or is probably spot on, but maybe they're not getting the right treatment to potentially, you know, for some people who are stuck and like feel like they're not getting better with that? The diagnosis, let's say, can be correct. I mean, you feel pain pulling on the lateral side of the thigh down to the knee, okay? So obviously that area are represented mostly by IT band. But one more time, IT band is not a, a standard alone element. It's a reinforcement of the fascia lata. So when you do a dissection, you will never see the IT band. You will see the fascia lata is thicker and with more collagen forming longitudinal direction. So that, that is like a, what he feel, but it doesn't mean that that is the reach of the problem. Because you can have like a long history of low back pain, so the stiff is more proximal. You have to spend the time to work over there. Or you have an ankle sprain before. And so you have to work more distally, okay? Because the IT band is not alone. So like it's a continuity with the crural fascia, continuity with the trigonal fascia. So the stiffness you perceive right there is the manifestation of stiffness that can be more above or below. So without putting together the history of the patient and the symptom, you're not able to detect which area you should work. The best, the easy way is through the palpation. And so what would you feel through palpation? From through the palpation, you will, we will publish an article soon. It's, under, it's already accepted. And we find out there's a high, very high reliability in our technique uh, that we call fascia impulation to palpate specific areas that are critical for biomechanics. So there are specific areas that we map in the body where a lack of gland will generate a higher mechanical disorder. So a fast track to assess the patient will be to check this area. If we find out that also students that have just have like a, the, the basic training, they're able to detect this area. It also after three months, uh, when they go back in the same patient, they're still like one month, they can be able to find out this alteration as well. So it means it's not as difficult to perceive this alteration. You feel like a t-shirt is, is like a more stiff, more compressible, you feel like a rough surface. It, that is a sign that the, the layer of collagen fiber doesn't glide, so you can perceive like a single rigid fibers. And that is where you should apply your technique to restore the gliding. It does restore the gliding, it will decrease the stiffness, increase the range of motion, it decrease the pain. How did you determine these points? Or how did? Yeah, so I mean, most of they come from clinical point of view. Yeah. Now that we are collecting, you know, hundreds of dissections, we saw that a lot of this area are where muscle are connected with fascia. So we have a, like a big group of researchers, in particular from Holland, that they prove that 30% of muscle fiber merge into fascia. But sometimes it can be even more. Like a gluteus maximus is 80%. 
So the biggest muscle of your body merge for 80% in the fascia lata. So what do you mean? It means that if you understand the importance of that area where muscle are connected to the fascia, so that area has to glide properly because otherwise you have a, a really bad low transmission. So these are the key area where gliding should occur smoothly or where you have like a nice glide between the different layers of the fascia lata. So for instance, above the trochanter, there is a very important glide between the different layers of fascia lata. Between the trochanter and the knee, it, everything is fused, stuck, like it's an anatomical fuse. So you don't care so much. So for this reason, like we take care a lot of the palpation above the trochanter. A blue trochanter, there's not so much uh, mean uh, like a sense to to assess uh, because uh, that is there's an anatomical fusion between different layer. So what do you think of when there's a lot of recommendations out there of like get on a foam roller and foam roll your yeah for rolling for life. <laughs> uh, it can be really helpful when you know where to apply. So one more time in myofascial pain the air of the symptom is not the origin of the problem. The other thing is where there is the manifestation of the poor biomechanics. So for this reason, uh, it's relatively complicated to treat the myofascial problem because everybody is focused where there is the symptom. But also time is just where there is the imbalance, the stiffness is contralateral side, the opposite area. So whenever you are able to really understand it, where this disorder comes from, you can really assess the treatment. And as we do daily, we, we never touch, we never generate any friction, any over there of the symptom. So this is obviously safety, but it, it's not just for that reason we don't treat it because that is there where you have a poor biomechanics. So like close to the joint, you have a lot of receptor, you have the capsule full receptor, but the joint, think about any kind of joint, like even the shoulder, how many vector reach the shoulder? 10, 20, even more. So if one of these vectors is not pulling properly, the shoulder works not correct, uh, properly, and, and then you start to have the symptom. So you have to take care, assess all this vector, and then you will understand why the shoulder is not working properly. I see. So other than force transmission as like a purpose of why we have fascia, and it sounds like you mentioned kind of like muscle coordination, there's also a lot of proprioception, right? Which we didn't always believe. Yeah, perception is a big word. Now everybody talks about perception. <laughs> so it's mean like perception of the body in the space, perception of the movement in the space. And really the fascia for us is the organ for proprioception. Why is that? Because perception of the body in the space, it means that you are able to perceive the motion of your body. Okay, so you can close the eyes, you can feel where your arm is. So what you need in order to have this task, you need a, a structure, have a relative fixed dimension. It has to be as far as possible to the fulcrum, like to the bone, to have a, like a better momentum, like a better perception of the force. So the fascia is exactly what you really need because it's a big environment all over at the you know at the periphery of the limbs that is under tension through the muscle. Have a relative fixed dimension is full of mechanoreceptor. So it's really the best element to be stretched in specific region, okay, is to activate a specific pattern of mechanoreceptor to give you the perception of the movement through a tension that is spreading in specific line. So 
it's really, really the element for that. And we had a different proof. The most important is when we talk about, for instance, functional ankle instability. So the ankle that is, there is a chronic instability, but it's not mechanical, it's function. So I mean, it's a lack of proprioception. It, it, that you will see that with a particular treatment of the fascia, I mean, in this case, even more of the retinacle of the ankle, that is the most innervated area of the fascia, you will see that you have a dramatic, immediately improve of, of the symptom and rec recovery of, of the balance that we have proved with the multiple study. And this really can clarify the really rule of fascia, in this case, also of the retinacula. So that's interesting because I was, I was reading about that earlier. So like chronic ankle instability, like multiple ankle sprains, there's a lack of range of motion, there's a lack of dorsiflexion, but then to go in and manipulate the fascia almost seems like, oh, there's might be instability might be potentially adding more instability. Yeah, it is. But it doesn't. It is not. So because one more time, you call functional ankle instability, but the ankle is rigid. It's a contradiction. So it's unstable, but it's more rigid, okay? So it's for this reason they call functional because uh, if you do all the tests, the ankle is rigid, is more stable than what it should be. So this is why, because when the fascia is rigid, it's limiting the range of motion. And when uh, the fascia is rigid, it doesn't work as it should. So it doesn't perceive the motion as it should be. So you perceive the motion with a delay that, push you to, to get forward, farther with the movement. And so you start to have a, like a recorded ankle sprain. So if you recover, if you treat properly the retinacula, what you have? You have immediately increased the range of motion. You decrease the pain. And you will see, even over time, or a little bit, depending on the chronicity, that the patient is able to stay in one leg longer, you know, with more stability. You know, easy stability platform evaluation. You see a better improvement, like a dramatic improvement. Do you do the fascial manipulation and then give homework for them to do? Or is it just like the fascial manipulation and they're good? I mean, depending on what you are working with. Like if you have a really chronic patient, uh, you can add something. I always recommend to stretch the area that we treated. Because uh, when uh, you stretch daily, it's easier for when you stretch to elongate the healthy part instead of the densified area. In fact, I, teach, I treat the patient like a teacher of yoga. They should be perfect. In reality, they still have densification, but they are so lax, you know, above and below that they don't perceive any limitation, but they are in low back pain. They have a low back pain. But when you treat the densification, you can, if you stretch there right after, you will apply the stretch also in that area. So stretching like in the next 48 hours, 72 hours, it would be extremely effective to, uh, you know, to target the area that before was not able to be stretched. So that could be like a one recommendation uh, that uh, I try to give to my patient, even if they have low compliance. <laughs> That's the pain point of all practitioners. <laughs> so what about someone who is, you know, you mentioned the yogis and oftentimes when I think of yogis, I think of there's a hypermobility component, right? Or someone who's like diagnosed with like Ehlers-Danlos, like they had just like loose connective tissue. Does that change your treatment in terms of fascial manipulation? Everybody's scary to increase the laxity of the patient. In reality, what you do is to 
restore the coordination, improve the proprioception. So this patient, they have also have multiple surgery for stabilize the shoulder. They still are in pain because they still have what we call densification, so lack of gliding. It this densification in the body, obviously it will not affect the range of motion because they have a still a hypermobile motion, but it will affect the way that they perceive the shoulder, the way that they can avoid the subluxation. So when the, you treat them, you find out still very rigid point, it take a while to resolve, and then the patient feel like, I feel less pain. I feel my shoulder better, so I can perceive better my shoulder, so I can control better my shoulder, I can control better my ankle. So this will help them to have a less recurrency in ankle sprain or in a subluxation. Mm, interesting. I was reading an interesting, just doing some research of like 30% of muscle insertions are not tendon. Correct. Which is kind of like, you know, when we all go through school, you know, decades ago, you're like... That's, that's what's drilled in, <laughs> but that they're actually deep fascial connections. Yeah, this I think is a critical point. So, I mean, this group from Amsterdam mostly, they prove with the multiple, multiple articles that 30% of muscle fiber reach the connective tissue, the fascia run. So, it's mean that uh, we don't lose 30% of the force. But we use that force to coordinate the synergic muscle around specific sequence or like myokinetic change or someone they call meridian. So these uh, connections are very critical and without know fully this connection, we are missing one third of our biomechanics. So honestly, nowadays in the best scenario, best scenario, we, we are not aware about one third of our biomechanics, even in the best scenario. Okay, so it's a millstone project, but as soon as we will be able to understand the completely map of the direction of the collagen fiber of the fascia, we will not be able to fully understand the biomechanics of our body. From other point of view, we are moving forward. Like if you take a sample of the fascia lata, you see the, the collagen, like one layer, like a collagen in oblique direction that come from the gluteus maximum. Collagen fiber more in the longitudinal direction that come from the tensor fascia lata. So another layer more transversal that uh, have a connection with the short head of the biceps, uh, vas lateralis, uh, gluteus medium. So in simple area, we are mapping, we are understanding right now the direction of each collagen fiber, but in other part is still, uh, you know, Akimera is still a really big work in progress. Yeah. There's kind of like a little funny story that gets thrown around or like an analogy in a lot of continuing education courses, especially ones that are like in functional movement, that if you took the tensor fascia lata and you put it on each end on like a truck hitch, and you drove the trucks away from each other, it wouldn't. Is that just like a <laughs> one person said it, now the next, the next, the next, or is this like an actual analogy? <laughs> okay, a truck, uh, well, I never try. We try <laughs> in laboratory oh, and our okay. machine was not able to break. I try worldwide in all my cadaver lab. So I take a sample, I stop into coker, okay, to clip. I ask all the participants to pull as much as they can to break the sample. I mean, can there be like measured pounds per pressure of yeah, pulling? So I mean, like it's, yeah, it's a simple, like a sample, like, a, like, you know, four centimeter for four centimeter, you know? Right. And worldwide in all the anatomy lab that I've done so far, nobody was able to break. And this is a cadaver, so it's kind of like dry and... Yeah, dry. And, but what is more curious, they have a hard time 
also if they pull transversal. And this is curious why, because if you have a sample of uh, Achilles tendon, it can hold yourself, you know, you can hold yourself from Achilles tendon. But if you pull transversal, you break easily. The fascia, it gives you a little bit hard time also when you pull transversal, because, because it's a mesh of collagen fiber multidirection. So you will break, because if you pull harder, you, you break transversal, because the major component is more longitudinal on the lateral side. But it gives you a hard time. So it means that, uh, one more time, the fascia is a multiple layer, collagen fiber. It's able to transmit force in multiple directions. I see. Have you ever seen a patient who, I'm thinking of someone, who, when they were a kid, got hit in a part of their body, the leg, by a baseball, and now they're 50 years old, and you can literally feel the indentation of where they got hit. Is that because, I mean, I'm assuming that's like, there's fascial, there's the viscosity has changed, there's, there's not that gliding between layers of fascial muscle. Well, in this case, not really. It's like, a, it's the hematoma that it was generating, the subcutis. So we talk about more uh, su hypoderma, superficial fascia. So when you have uh, like a big hematoma, or uh, the quality of the hypoderma can change, it can become more fibrotic. So in, uh, when it becomes fibrotic, it becomes more rigid, it, it doesn't adapt anymore to the increase of decreased amount of fat. So this is typical when you have a, like a big hematoma or corticosteroid injection, and that is a kind of scenario. To have a, like an alteration of the deep fascia, you have to have a big tear. So if you have a big tear of the rectus femoris, you have the indentation, but that is... Uh, Due yeah. to the tear of the muscle. Yeah. Where does the value really shine in fascial manipulation? There is two major principles that make uh, people love these methods. Uh, first of all, because it's a method, it's not a technique. So we don't teach how to manipulate a point. We teach how to select a specific combination of point in each single patient for each single syndrome. So there's a lot of people that do our course and then they use shockwave needle, because they just select the point that has to be treated. So this is the, the big value, because at the end, you, you learn a guideline that helps you to assess the patient, do a specific palpatory verification, select uh, the best combination of point that will give you the result. But one more time, you don't palpate random the body, you palpate only the specific point that we have map, and not all, but that through the assessment, you will palpate a specific amount of point that it can variate, let's say 12 point for, and, and, and from there, you will be able to take a decision. So we have an, a clear assessment chart, and we have also now a new like a FM app that work with that. So basically you can, uh, this assessment chart will guide you in all the process from the interview, to the movement verification, to the palpatory verification, and then it, it gives you the point that has to be treated in that specific scenario. So this is like the plus, it's a very methodic process with a clear guideline. It obviously during the treatment, there will be other guidelines that you have to use, like a work with balance. You will never treat just one region of the body, we would treat also the antagonist region. You don't want to treat just a one body segment, but you want to do a proximal distal release, so you will more multiple segment. 
you will not work like in one side of the body of the trunk you will try to balance with the control lateral so there is a specific guideline that you will use in order to restore the biomechanics because what we prove and what people love of this method is the long-lasting result because we know every technique make better no doubt but how many techniques have proved that at three six nine months the result is still there so we have published more than 25 articles and we have a 10 randomized more than 10 randomized control trial that prove that at three six months even nine months the result is still there it is a big plus because it tells you that if the results are still there it means that you have really restored the biomechanics the body can keep this result it that make a big difference yeah so i mean because there's a lot of techniques that talk about working on the fascia right so like rolfing or structural integration or active release or grassin is it the guideline and the palpatory aspect that's like the differentiating but then maybe from the other kind of techniques out there yeah i think so first of all we treat like a two three time a patient okay normally we don't need so much more uh, session second we have a sort of customization of the treatment so each patient they need a different combination of point. And third one, we treat with uh, a specific spot and we focus the treatment in that specific spot, the worst one that has to be treated. Following a specific guideline that work for uh, reset the balance. So all the technique, if they didn't, don't know they work in the fascia, because if you work the muscle, you have to go through the fascia. So in my opinion, it would be difficult for each clinician to put a hand over a body to do not treat the fascia. But someone they treat with purpose, someone they treat indirectly the fascia, okay? But everybody in some way they treat the fascia. And I'm really sure that a lot of the results are due to that. Obviously you can do a fast track because you know what you want, you know where you want to go to the treatment, or you can go with a long track because you are treating in an indirect way, okay? Or not in the most, critical point to where it has to be done in treatment. Yeah. For someone who's never experienced it, what does it feel like? Because I think if, you know, most practitioners heard, you know, two to three visits and it's like, you know, study show three, six, nine, 12 months later, the, pa the patient's still good. That is a very low number of treatments for most practitioners. So what does it, what does it feel like, fascial manipulation? I mean, in the randomized control trial, we, we get like a four or five treatment just to make sure that, you know, every patient can fit in because you have to standardize everything. So you say, look, let's, let's keep like a, you know, a good amount of, of treatment. So, but yeah, it's true. Like, I mean, our randomized control trial, I have a four or five treatment, so no more. So it's still like a relative small amount of uh, treatment. So I know a lot of patients are surprised about that, but if you know where you want to go, if you select the worst point that has to be treated, okay, even if you leave a lot of area that we call still densify, rigid, but the major area are fixed, okay, the patient have full quality of life. Maybe we'll not have the full range of motion perfectly, okay, because maybe in two, three treatments you don't restore, but the patient is, is, is set, okay. So we have published an article about like a sport injury prevention. So we see that we can even decrease the amount of injury during a 12-month season in soccer player. Just treating before the season with three sessions to restore the biomechanics. So if you do that, biomechanics is doing well, 
the guy can train, can have even contusion or whatever, but they can, you know, the body have a better ability to compensate, have a large ability to compensate. If the patient subject, you know, have already, you know, rigid, poor biomechanics, you know, same minor trauma, it can generate a major outcome, okay? So for this reason, uh, a good assessment, understand what you want, uh, understand where is the critical area of the body that has to glide, it helps you a lot to speed up the, the, the process. What does it feel like? Like, you know, from what I was reading, it's like the tissue gets hot. <laughs> one of my um, doctors that works in the clinic, I think took one of the courses and she was like, it's intense. Like it's... <laughs> All right. So both for the patient, as for the therapist, the sensation is intense. I mean, it's going to be painful. The treatment... Even the assessment, you assess point that the, the patient have no idea because it never hurts. But when uh, you push over, it hurts a lot, like a needle. Okay, because the fascia one is rigid, you feel like like a needle. So the patient will be surprised. Say, Look, I never had pain right there. I never had any symptom right there. Why is it so painful that area? You're like okay? doc. The yeah. pain's over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But in reality, you feel the pain over the joint because right there is where you have the final motion. But the vector that generate that motion are more proximal, more distally. So you want to work uh, over the vector that are stiff, so it doesn't pull properly in the correct direction. The joint uh, will work better, so it will heal because the body is able to heal a tendon. The body is able to heal like a small tear if the joint works in a proper way. If it doesn't work in a proper way, that the healing, the tear, it will not heal. Never. So we want to restore biomechanics. That is the meaning. So for the therapist, when they do a palpation, I said it's not as difficult. So they feel like that area, the specific spot, it's not like a trigger point that you have to look for. So we have a map. There is a free map, a free app. You can go in Apple Store on, on uh, Google Play. You can download the app for free. It's the FM, Fashion Manipulation app. And uh, you see the map of the point. And uh, you, will, you can try to palpate, you will see that uh, between right and left, you can see major difference, okay? The tissue feel like, a, like without gliding, like a rough, rigid, you see uncompressible tissue, and the patient will complain. A typical symptom is not like it's just pain. It's like a, like a knife, like a needle stick pain. And that is a sign because you have a good publication that shows that whenever you inject fascia, muscle, and subcutis, okay, with saline, fascia give the highest and the longest rate of symptom in relation to muscle and subcutis. So this study that was done in Germany from Mensa Group, so it's the guru about the innervation of fascia, it proved that really the fascia have this kind of a high response to stress, to mechanical stress. So it's about intensity and also long lasting symptom over there so fashion one more time is a really pain generator yeah who responds well to this so there's like different techniques where it's like for example mckenzie mckenzie's like the disc herniation centralization technique is this like this is for everyone or when you think of someone like oh should i be getting fascia manipulation would they be a good candidate would they respond well who, who comes to mind Whenever the anatomy is still preserved and you have pain, it's perfect indication. So you can really do amazing. So when the anatomy is no more preserved, 
you can improve a lot. Okay, if there is a minor alteration, you can give almost the perfection. When there is a major change of the anatomy, you can work in the compensation. So you mean like surgical, post-surgical kind of? Yeah, major surgical, like multiple surgical. Ah, okay. okay. So when you have a, like a, this kind of situation that the anatomy is completely changed, obviously you work in the compensation. But we don't have to limit the efficacy to just the musculoskeletal problem because we work like a symptom, like a bloating sensation, reflux, constipation, you know, dysmenorrhea, okay, stress, asthma, a swelling problem, because there is a major connection between musculoskeletal fascia and visceral fascia. So the visceral fascia can generate the even worse symptom than the musculoskeletal. So we study like the superficial fascia and we understand like a varicose vein, nerve entrapment, you know, lymphatic drainage problem, okay. so. We have all these kind of symptoms plus type of cellulite, painful cellulitis related to the superficial fascia. Then we have the deep fascia. Deep fascia is lack of range of motion, musculoskeletal pain, okay? Even weakness because it can affect the muscle spindle. So we will see, we are working for doing the research to see that after the treatment, you see that you restore the strength. Why? Because the muscle spindle that are in the periphery of the muscle the caps of the muscle spindle are inside the perimysium. That is in continuity with the epimysium, with the fascia. So when the air is stiff, the muscle spindle does allow to recruit all the motor unit. So you have like a sort of weakness there. You can recover. And then you have the visual fascia. One more time, dysfunctional visual fascia, a lot of problem. The mobility, motility of the organ, it gets uh, disrupted. So you can have a, a constipation or the opposite, dysmenorrhea. Okay, you can have bloating sensation because the, the, the dominant doesn't adapt. So you can have, even have a like, problem about uh, abortion. Like you can have early you know, abortion because the, the, the uterus is not able to basically change the conformation. Uh, so like a miscarriage. Yeah, miscarriage. Yeah. So, you know, visual fascia is not so much studied, not so much taken consideration uh, so far this day nowadays. My reality, there is a lot of... Uh, idiopathic problem and reality are not idiopathic so when something is idiopathic there's a good excellent possibility that fascia is a key part hmm. of that interesting so kind of like they've seen everyone hasn't gotten results yeah so like easy, easy stuff like reflux everybody have a reflux you know herniation sometimes is very small when there's tension there's a tension in diaphragm so the, the, the dimension of the cardias basically there is a tension transversal tension of the cardias and then release basically the this cardias so decrease the tension just in the diaphragm increase the compliance of the valve and so decrease the reflux so people that take like 40 milligram of uh, omeprazole lamprazole they quit they quit okay so it is uh, quite dramatic uh, it is one of the typical situation but nerve entrapment is another big problem like we published two articles about carpatan syndrome so we, we saw that we can do very good with also follow-up so clearly i have patient that they, they didn't have surgery if they come back maybe after two years to have another more treatment because they are you their work is very heavy so they come back they get treated and they have a couple of years still you know pain free so you can postpone or avoid surgery yeah amazing do you have any like a case study that really stands out or someone you've worked on well, I mean, you're like so may, many. <laughs> I mean, I would say in different fields. So, I mean, 
here in New York, you know, if you want to talk about musculoskeletal, you know, people get crazy with the shoulder problem. I love shoulder problem because uh, as more acute uh, are more easy. Okay, you will see with fascia manipulation or whatever. So as more acute uh, are easy is the treatment because for go from ten to four as an intensity of pain is super easy. One point and drop. Four to zero is a hard work because four to zero you have to treat like six point, ten point, even more. You know, two sessions, three sessions. So the good news is that when I have a patient like this, uh, I always try to fit in, even if it's not 8 p.m. Because uh, acute shoulder is, is amazing. But whatever is acute, you know, at the one point, uh, give it like the mark call. But then uh, to restore, to make sure that the, the, the results stay there, you know, to have a full range of motion, that is started a harder job. Yeah. Looking into the future, what is next for fascial manipulation? Like the next five to 10 years? Is it more research, more studies to kind of back up? I hope it's both. So, I mean, we are present in more than 50 countries. We do like more than 200 courses every year. We have more than 10,000 hours of education. So we are quite satisfied with that. We try to be present in all the countries. So we go from uh, Kenya to, you know, from a uh, low income country to, you know, all the part of the world. So we are quite happy with that. Obviously, we want to explore even more like the visual part to, to strengthen up. So research is always important. So we give like a 3,000 euro to everybody that make research over fascia. So every year we have like a June, we have a grant. Submission is end of March every year. So everybody is welcome to apply. And the best research about fascia, we will receive like 3,000 3, euro as a you know small grant to help that. So we always promote research and we come out also this year with a couple of randomized control trials as well. This is like what we have. We do a lot of research to understand better the, the physiopathology. So I mean, like what is the real the densification? So the study we are doing right here in NYU, it helped a lot. We have tried to use also the hyaluronic days that metabolize this exceed amount of HA, and we saw also result as well. So in this way, we can really prove what is the origin of this problem. So understand the it's a pathogenesis, like the, the, the beginning of the problem. It really helps a lot to understand exactly what would be the best way, the fast way to, to get the result. Yeah. And then where can people find you? We have a website. Yeah. <laughs> so that is the easy way. What's the website? I'll put, I'll put in the show notes. www.fashionmanipulation.com. There you can find out also, you know, the list of practitioners that are certified. So they have... Uh, you know, get to the level that they, they, they are using properly the method. They will see also the list of course that we are here in US, Canada, or all over the world in any case. We are present in East, West Coast. So next week I will be in LA teaching there on San Francisco as well. But, you know, we are getting stronger also with the sport team. So we are now... We got New York Mets, you know, the, the Pedros, like uh, the Dion Blacks and... Uh, the, the Padres, uh, sorry. So we have uh, like a different sport team uh, that they love to get this material to try to improve the performance. So I think a sport uh, is getting more and more popular. In Asia, you know, the Olympic team in China asked us to train all the, the rehab group to try to use this one to improve uh, performance and uh, speed up the rehabilitation. So there's a different topic that we are trying to follow. Amazing. Are you guys on social media? Are you guys like putting out... 
YouTube videos and Instagram. yeah, we should. That is what we should do more because everybody's looking. Yeah, you're not so much in the media. So we we are working there. So we have a, like a, a Facebook page in English. We have some Instagram. We have some video on YouTube as well. We spend more time to do article in PubMed. So if they go in PubMed, they find out a lot of us. If they go in Facebook, not as much. So we are a little bit old style. But we are trying to get get more more. Uh, Maybe that's a, the social. next ten year vision. Exactly, <laughs> less PubMed article, <laughs> in more uh, post in yeah. Facebook. Well, thank you so much. This has been super informative. Thank you so much for sitting down. Now, thank you for the invitation. It's really a pleasure. That's a wrap. I have two truths that I fully believe in. First, to be one percent better every single day, and second. All feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you want to share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends, or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys. So much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here.